You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Oz Network as we continue our Oscar reviews and the lead-up to the 91st Academy Awards. We've made it through three films. We're up to the halfway point today. The fourth film, Black Klansman, the movie that um, is good. Um, I don't know what else I'm trying to say there. Uh, once again, um, two white guys are here to talk about a film that's not really directed towards us. Well, maybe it is directed towards us. I don't know. But uh, I enjoyed this film. I think it was uh, a movie that I probably would have seen anyway had I not been sitting here with you to review all the Oscar movies because it looked interesting and it was interesting. It's a Spike Lee movie, by the way. I should have mentioned that too. It's kind of an important thing to do that. Uh, my name is Ben and, yeah, I don't think you should go to that meeting. And my name is Colin, prominent Canadian non-racist. <laughs> um. I'd like everybody right now to go to Wikipedia and go to the <laughs> David Duke uh, Wikipedia page, to which it starts off by saying, David Ernest Duke is a prominent American racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's my goal in life to have a Wikipedia page saying Ben Waterworth is a prominent Australian racist. Um, Black I think Klansman. there are some pages out there like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> probably. There is, yes. Uh, Black Klansman, Colin. I, I think yeah. this was, uh, you know, it's a turn up in form. I mean, we've kind of started yes. off the Oscars in a bit of an interesting one. You and I are a bit indifferent on Black Panther. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. You didn't. We were both so-so on Vice. And we're finally maybe into our first movie that we both can agree was actually a decent film. Yeah. No, we definitely agree. Um I I almost want to reserve full judgment until I see it again, but I can I can honestly tell you that this might be the one best picture nominee that I will watch again, just because I feel like I enjoyed this movie throughout, but it's so subtle in everything it does, and it really unlike Vice, which is in no way subtle, it really waits until the kind of the last scene slash montage to give you an idea about what the point of the movie is. And then once you realize what the point of the movie is, it almost made me start to think about well, all that stuff earlier. Like, were they alluding to any of this? Or was it was it just all kind of, you know, a fun crime story? And But, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this movie more than any of the other ones we've seen so far. I remember seeing the trailers for this when it came out, uh, what, about mid-last year, I think it was? Like, it was, uh, <laughs> I feel, kind of released a lot earlier than some of these other ones that we're doing. And... You know, straight away, not really knowing anything about this story and anything about this film, I kind of saw it. I'm like, oh, that that looks pretty entertaining. Like, and straight away, I guess for people who don't know the history around this subject matter, like myself, um, knowing that there was this true story, I guess, of a an African American who infiltrated the you know the Ku Klux Klan, like that's kind of cool. And you're like, oh yeah, that's it's like I've got a really good storyline to it. And then kind of you just dig a bit deeper into the fact that it's a Spike Lee film. You know, you got Denzel Washington's son, you got Kylo Ren. Um, Topher Grace, um, who, I still can't believe that actually was Topher Grace. Steve Buscemi? <laughs> sort <Maybe>? of. <laughs> A. Buscemi? Uh, Alec Baldwin? <laughs> um, can I just point out, just really quickly, that in about a month or so time, uh, our listeners are going to be thrilled as we go through another bad movie month. And mm-hmm. two of the four bad movies have Alec Baldwin in it. Just want to point out that two of the eight movies this year for Best Picture have Alec Baldwin in it. So, <laughs> what a turnaround! Alec Baldwin from bad movies to Academy Award nominated films, uh, give him an Oscar already. But um, yeah, I think kind of it's just it's fascinating the subject matter, and like you're right, like the the subtlety of it definitely 
he's hammered home in that final what like two three minute montage mm-hmm. and like i remember when we were doing these when we were planning to do these and saying to mallory like hey we're gonna watch these ones and you know, she wasn't the biggest fan of Vice and kind of just like, oh, what's the next one we're watching? And I'm like, oh, it's Black Klansman. Oh, what's that about? And I kind of explained to her and she's like, oh, that doesn't sound very entertaining. Oh, I'll just watch some of it with you. And like within five minutes, she's turned to me and gone, I like this movie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because it's definitely got a style about this movie that kind of keeps you in there. And I feel there's like a, a bit of a, you know, 20, 30 minute period where it starts to fall away, but they come back into it really well by the end, which I think... I think works really well, but um, yeah, I mean, you can I just say you didn't realize this was Denzel Washington's son? Did you do the uh, the mm-hmm. test? Did you do the voice test? I did, and yeah, can and you like, hear it now? <laughs> you know, the the only disclaimer I will say is that he definitely sounded whiter than Denzel, but that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, the point. But like outside of just the fact that he has this maybe not as deep of a voice as Denzel, it's the way of his speech, like his speech patterns and everything. You're like, whoa, like this almost sounds like Denzel just with a bit of a higher pitch voice. Mm. And I think, um, you know, I think you might have mentioned last week about how this guy's going to be a star and I didn't actually read a... Mm-hmm. Uh, an article at the beginning of this year saying, like, you know, top 10 stars to look out for in 2019, and he was on this list. Uh, we should mention, actually, this is John David Washington, not just Denzel's son. Um, <laughs> Denzel, Denzel Jr. <laughs> in Black Klansman. But, I, I like, he just he just owns this movie, and then also, uh, alongside of that, Adam Driver. Like, oh. I mean, have you seen Logan Lucky yet? Or still haven't no, seen it? No, I still have it on my PVR. See, the thing with, with him in that, because, like, that's the first time I've ever seen him in something outside of Star Wars, and you're like, wow, okay, this guy's pretty good. This guy can act. And then again, you see him in this movie, and, I mean, Adam Driver, he's not going to win one this year, but he'll win an Oscar one day. Like, you know, this guy just actually can really, really act. Um, so, yeah, between those two alone, uh, just this movie just works so, so well. And, you know, we kind of joked, didn't we, that the uh, the one basically non-black guy in this film got the only Oscar nomination for acting in this movie. So, hashtag Oscars but- so white. Um- <laughs> Honestly, though, once it, like, I think because this is... You know, it's called Black Klansmen. You don't really realize that the majority of the cast is white in this movie. That, like, John... What's his name? John Washington? Uh, Denzel Jr. John David Washington. Denzel Jr. <laughs> yeah, Denzel Jr. is kind of the odd man out in this movie. And just before we even get into anything else, just there obviously will be people who are like, oh, well, of course, you know, he gets the Oscar nomination. What are they going to nominate? Andy Serkis and nobody else for Black, Black Panther? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But I think in watching this, and this is from somebody who ended the last episode saying, not even realizing Denzel Jr. who was Denzel Jr. saying, I can tell this guy's going to be a big star. But having seen the whole movie, I think that he gave an incredible performance for a guy who's been in maybe two or three movies prior to this. But you mm-hmm. can still think he's a little bit green. He's, he doesn't quite have the experience or the power uh, yet. I feel like he is maybe where Adam Driver was you know, five years ago. And this is the type of guy that we'll be watching out for five years from now. And in watching this movie, I mean, you said, you know, Adam Driver's not going to win this year. He probably isn't. But I, I kind of feel like, thank you for coughing, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> but I kind of feel like of all the supporting actor nominees I've seen so far, he's the one that I really want to pull for. Because it's it's a subtler performance than we're used to with Adam Adam Driver, too. And there's just a few moments in this movie where he just goes from, like, zero to a hundred – and it just it almost blew me out of my chair. 
I think I would probably say to me he would be the second one because um, we'll talk about that more next, uh, well, tomorrow, I guess, with Green Book. But, um, yeah, I mean, all the, all the other nominees, I mean, Sam Elliott's good in A Star Is Born. Sam Rockwell, eh. And I have no idea what Richard E. Grant did in Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's the Ben Waterworth biopic coming soon. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's... I agree with everything you said there about Adam Driver, and I think kind of... For us who, you know, for any Star Wars fan, I guess, who isn't that familiar with his work outside of Star Wars, you know, it's kind of, it's good to see an actor do that in another role. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, the subject matter, as I said, kind of around this true story. And I just think it's, you know, there's two films really this this year that really obviously touch on, I guess, uh, racial divide. Um... You know, I mean, Black Panther is sort of there, but not really. Kind of, we talked about that a couple of you know days ago, and Roma. Uh, I mean, it's mainly just kind of inside Mexico, really, as such. But I think between this and we'll obviously talk about Green Book tomorrow. Um, you know, Green Book's getting a lot of criticism for kind of, I guess, sugarcoating uh, racism, which I think we'll talk about that tomorrow. Whereas this one, kind of, yeah, I mean, it's as we're saying about how the subtleness of it and then kind of shoved down your throat in that final montage. But I think the thing that I found Mallory and I sort of saying to each other a lot throughout this film is that it's done in a way that we can now in today's society say, like, how hard is it to believe that this is how it used to be? Like, Mm -hmm. and because it is very confronting to think that this actually was what life was like at one point in our history. And some would argue, I mean, Spike Lee's arguing at the end of this movie that it, it still is quite there in our society today and it's just it's done in a way i think where it's like the subtlety there but in a way where it's still confronting enough but in, like it's he spike lee i think covers all the the boxes when you can't really walk out of this film where some people are with green books saying like oh they've sugar-coated the racism essentially you know what's funny is that and we'll get to this with green book i do see in a way the movie is being sugarcoated, but not sugarcoated racism. Cause I almost feel like we're now in this day and age where if you're making a period movie like this, it has to be like 100% of white people in the movie are the most extreme form of racist and green books sort of different green book is about, you know, this guy is respected on a certain level, but not on other levels. So it almost makes sense that what people are interpreting as being sugarcoated in that movie was probably just the way it was for that guy. And here in Black Klansman, it's it's different too. And what I like about both these movies is just the they're taking a different perspective. Whereas this could have been so heavy, where it just dragged the audience down. But more than anything, even when you're watching guys in the KKK say the most vile, disgusting, racist things, the movie still has this. I'm not going to say fun tone because that sounds wrong, but in a way, kind of like a. Um, a watchable tone to it and a lot of it has to do with the the way that the lead character denzel jr um sorry john david (laughs) but uh the way that he responds to this where where okay this is this is we we talk about how um not we me and you but society talks about how there's no one way to grieve and people are always very critical it's like oh well this guy lost you know his spouse and he doesn't seem to be grieving the normal way or this woman lost her children she's not grieving the normal way what's wrong with them and everybody says there's no one way to grieve 
there's no one way that racism happens or prejudice or any type of discrimination happens. And there's no one way a person deals with it. Mm -hmm. And I just hate that nowadays it's like, well, because you're not showing in green book, the worst of the worst, or in this movie, the criticism could be, well, because this guy just sort of like sits there and takes it, you know, then the movie's not real. And, and there's probably also, I haven't read any, but there's probably also, I could guarantee criticism out there saying, oh, well, the characters in this movie are either 100% full-on racist or don't seem to, you know, care at all. Well, that's probably the world you live in, you know? It's, and I yeah. like that because, because this lead character is, for the most part, he's infiltrating the KKK, but he's surrounded himself with people who accept him because they're like, well, this guy's good at what he does he doesn't see his world as being this extreme and downer. So the audience kind of sees it as like, well, this is, it's okay to watch this and not be depressed. And I think what we get in this film in Green Book is both our main, our lead, uh, I guess, African-American characters kind of, they're dealing with this level of racism and things in their own way. And kind of in, particularly in Black Klansmen, you know, we get the scenes uh, between Ron and um, the the main woman, the president of the union, and kind of, you know, mm. they have those conversations around, you know, Ron saying like, hey, like, you know, I, I just because I'm doing this doesn't mean I don't feel for our community and see what we're trying to do out there. Yeah. Just because I'm not loud and proud as you are. Like, I think kind of exactly what you're saying, that mm. it is kind of a society thing where we we do live in a day and age where it's like if you're not out there protesting with a sign um and screaming from the top of your lungs on social media and that then what are you doing and mm-hmm. i think that that you know there are so many levels around issues to do with race and any form of uh i guess uh people fighting for a cause and things like that that I think it's important to hear all those sides of the story. And I think we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow with Green Book around the criticism around Mm -hmm. that film. So I think at the end of the day, maybe this film escapes a little bit of the criticism as such that Green Book's getting because it does it differently. Um, And I think it's also the fact that, would you say that maybe because this is a Spike Lee film and that he's obviously someone who over the years is renowned for this style of movie and kind of obviously a a very outspoken person when it comes to these issues. So, whereas Green Book, um, not directed by Spike Lee. (laughs) Not that I know of, anyway. (laughs) You know what's interesting about Spike Lee? Because he's one of these people who seems to... The things that he's trying to say, you can kind of see where he's coming from, but he just, he always seems to, in a way, put his foot in his mouth or maybe go too far on things or pick a fight with the wrong person. It's like, you know, you can pick this fight, but just maybe you picked it with the wrong person. And he's not (laughs) the most likable guy in real life. And you would think that somebody who is that opinionated and in some ways controversial, that his movies would be the way Vice is, just hammering it home. And... This it's almost exact opposite, and as you mentioned, like with Spike Lee, he's renowned for these movies. What I appreciate about, you know, I haven't seen every Spike Lee movie, but the ones that I see, the ones that like do touch on racism. I remember watching He Got Game. Did you ever see He Got Game with Denzel no. Washington? Honest, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever seen another Spike Lee film. If I'm being absolutely oh, honest, well, with you. Um, uh, we'll, we'll do Spike Lee month coming soon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, along with renowned racist month. <laughs> 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 um, Spike Lee made this movie He Got Game, which. Uh, you would almost consider it to be similar to Green Book in that it's about this very respected basketball player, Denzel's son, very respected basketball player, and all the white people are just trying to woo him, but it's like there's still an undertone of 
tension in that movie and it's just the way he plays it in movies like he got game or this that that it doesn't feel as uncomfortable to the audience because he's not making it so cut and dry he there, there's it's kind of shades of gray with everything and i think with this movie especially the thing i won't get into too much of spoilers but the way that the ending is kind of interpreted this is a movie where there is no person that's going to view this and say, well, th- not that they are Black Panthers in this, but the Black Panthers type group in this movie and the KKK are both on equal level as far as being wrong. But this movie does sort of very subtly, the, the message of, I guess, by the end, say, you know, both sides can cool it a little bit. And maybe instead of seeing, even if the KKK is, you know, the other side, instead of seeing white people or the police or the kkk or anything else as the enemy maybe just start giving somebody the benefit of the doubt and try to make some ground try to try to meet somewhere in the middle instead of just we're at war and that's sort of what you said about the difference with uh you know ron's character and uh miss uh spider man's girlfriend here which i didn't realize (laughs) till halfway through the movie what that's um (laughs) hang on a minute who is she the girlfriend from Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, is that really? Yeah. Oh. yeah I didn't realize This it. movie is filled with that reaction, isn't it? Every single person in this movie was like, oh, is that that? Oh, it's Topher Grace. Oh, it's Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Oh, it's John. Oh, look at this. It's Denzel Jr. <laughs> was that Alec Baldwin at the start of it? That was Billy Baldwin. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and watch, with our luck, it's going to end up being Billy Baldwin, <laughs> just like it's not Steve Buscemi. It's whatever his name is, Buscemi. Um, but... Yeah, like the way that her character and him have that interaction where he's like, you know, just because I'm with the police, I mean, that doesn't make me a bad. You don't have to be at war with everything white. Mm. And that's the way that I kind of took the the anyway from this and just reading some of the interviews with Spike Lee. He's almost trying, I think, trying to say that with this movie. It's like the KKK may be, you know, a 100 on the bad scale. But some of the other, you know, um, protests in this movie, some of the Black Panther type characters, they may be only a 15, but they're still on the wrong side of it, you know? Yeah. And I think that every aspect of society has their extremes, um, race, gender, sexuality, all those sort of things. And yeah, it's it's kind of, it's an interesting, I guess, exploration into to things that happen in this movie. Um, and particularly, again, with the final sort of montage that kind of really hammers at home. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, the casting, like, <laughs> I think, I don't know if we talked about this at the end of last week or this was off air, but just the whole moment, the whole movie, I'm going, that's Steve Buscemi. No, maybe it's not Steve Buscemi. That's <laughs> yeah. Steve, no, is it? And then you Google it. And you're like, okay, it's not Steve Buscemi. And then you actually look at the cast and realise that it's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Buscemi, um, but it's the great late, well, he's not dead, uh, Michael Buscemi, who's so, <laughs> <laughs> so unfamous, Network, he doesn't we, even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> we we accuse Larry the Cable Guy of being a pedophile, and we proclaim Steve Buscemi's brother as being dead. <laughs> and Topher Grace? Like, holy crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and seriously, like, I'm not going to make fun of Topher Grace anymore. Like, he was oh, really good in this on. movie. Yeah. You know, like... I agree. And, and that's the, the other thing that this movie is about. And I, I, we're going to get into this more with Green Book. With uh, Green Book, let's say all of them. Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, all the criticisms about, 
oh, well, this part of the story wasn't true or this part was fabricated, so we're going to discount this movie because of it. The honest truth is only – I think the claims are that only the first third of Black Klansmen really happened because the entire plot of uh, you know, the, 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 this is about stopping a terrorist attack – never happened that that was for dramatic purposes they do touch on the real story which was about that the kkk has people sort of embedded in the military or in government positions and stuff like that and that that's what the real case was about that wouldn't have lended itself it would have lent itself to an interesting political thriller but not for this 70s style crime drama so i understand them changing it but there's another thing where it's interesting where maybe a little bit of hypocrisy you know let's say that green book and bohemian rhapsody and vice changed all these things but oh black clansman based it says in the poster based on the outrageous true story only bits and pieces of this are true the rest of it's fictional not that i fault the movie for it but a lot of this did not happen however the topher grace character that's what kind of interests me reading up on the real story a little bit that the this character was like yeah i'm in the kkk and i'm the president of the club you know <laughs> but it's like I'm respectable, I'm classy, I'm well spoken, I have etiquette, um, I'm intelligent, <laughs> and I have my foot in the door of politics. And the the real goal is not just you know we're going to be these hillbillies out there you know uh, shooting things and burning crosses, but let's get in the positions of power. Mm. And I think that his character was so interesting, and the way that Topher Grace of all people pulled this off. Like, he's kind of funny and menacing at the same time. And I can't disagree with that, because I might not be the biggest Topher Grace fan, but I didn't even realise this was Topher Grace until I looked at the cast afterwards. So, and then I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, it's Topher Grace, I hate it. Like, I was, you know, I think the, I was the whole movie, I'm thinking, oh, the guy's doing this, is doing it quite well. And I did, there was a level of fam- familiarity throughout the whole movie. I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all those KKK meetings I went to. It really is David Duke. <laughs> um, you know... Another one to add to that is the guy who plays, I don't know if he's the chief of police or whatever. Um, I'm watching him the entire movie thinking like, do you know who Peter Weller is? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Peter Weller, he was on a season of 24. I can't remember which season it was. Um, I see it. But yeah, yeah, Henderson. Which which season was Christopher Henderson? Oh, that was season six. Six, Six? wasn't it? Wasn't he yeah. like the guy with Jack's family and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And on top of that, I mean, he's, he's a great actor from like the 80s and 90s. He was the original RoboCop. I'm watching this. I'm like, that's Peter Weller. That's Peter Weller. <laughs> Only to look up afterwards and realize this is John something Burke, ah, who replaced Peter Weller as RoboCop in RoboCop 3. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here thinking, this is Peter Weller. No, sorry, it's Peter Weller's double or replacement <laughs> well the, the guy um who i've just realized is harry belafonte <laughs> like the that that big <laughs> speech with that that great guy like he's telling you know and it's very harrowing Isn't that Denzel? yeah <laughs> but like the whole time i'm seeing this you know amazing act i'm like oh, he's off something and then i'm just realized harry belafonte like <laughs> you know of course it is the only person in this entire movie we recognized <laughs> was adam driver <laughs> yeah yeah he kind of looks like darth vader was it or like i i recognize uh nicholas Tutoro. He's the um the cop towards the end who he oh, basically yeah. yeah like you know who he is he was in Third Watch and he's been in a bunch of other things too so um yeah, blue or something yeah uh, blue bloods he was in too like he's just oh, a perennial I'm in a New York cop show basically <laughs> let's add another one on there early character in the movie who's playing this uh this activist this speaker this Black Panther type yeah. leader. Mm-hmm. The guy who's not Jack Bauer on 24, the yeah. replacement for Jack Bauer on Black 24, Jack. who is also, uh, 
<laughs> who was also in um, the um, what was the Straight Outta Compton movie? Yeah, which, he was great in the Straight Outta Compton movie. Which can I just say, like, I appreciated him in this movie, and I'm like, oh, he can act, so he's not just crap oh. in 24. <laughs> <laughs> but again, we- I, it was like the end of his scenes, and I'm like. I recognize this guy. It's not Jack Bauer. <laughs> um, but at, at the end, uh, so this movie uh, has come out of all the nominations. So There's six nominations for Black Klansman. Uh, obviously for Best Picture. That's why we're here. Uh, Spike Lee, Best Director. Has Spike Lee ever actually won an Oscar before? No, I don't even know if he was nominated. I think uh, Do the Right Thing, he might have been nominated. I can look that up, but uh, uh, I don't think uh, if he so got nominated... Once. This is his first director, so he previously was nominated for Best Original Screenplay for Do the Right Thing and oh. Best Documentary Feature for Four Little Girls. So um, this is the first time he's ever had a Best Director, but he's also obviously got Best Picture uh, and Best Adapted Screenplay. The only acting award, as we said, Adam Driver, Best Supporting Actor, uh, as I just said, Best Adapted Screenplay, and has also been nominated for Best Original Score... Am I trying to remember the oh, score of this I was, film? Was it no, good? I was, I was just going to comment that it's not like in your face the whole time, but especially near the end as like the, the terrorism plot starts kicking in. There's this theme which uh, plays over and over again, which I loved. I couldn't hum it to you right now, but I loved it just because like so much else in the movie, it felt like it belonged in one of those 70s you know, gritty cop dramas like Dirty Harry. Like, it, it really fit the genre and the time period well. I'm actually surprised. We didn't talk about this much yesterday, but Vice. I actually really liked the score in Vice. Um, and that actually didn't even get nominated. Um, the only other one I got nominated for was Best Film Editing, which if I'm going through the rounds and the odds, I believe this is the favourite for Best Film Editing. Uh, so, go Black Klansman. I would give it to Bohemian Rhapsody, but I'm just being biased. Oh, um, shut up. <laughs> Hey, I did like the editing in that film. So, I mean, this this may, like each year we kind of have the the film that gets nominated for a lot and doesn't really pick one up. Um, do we feel that Black Klansman's not really going to get anything? Maybe outside of best film editing. Um, no, I'm actually gonna say I I think that Adam Driver has a real shot for supporting actor because it really is. I think between him and Mahershala Ali, which we'll talk about tomorrow, but. Seeing as Mahershala Ali won two years ago for Moonlight, a movie that he was in probably about as much as Sam Rockwell is in um, <laughs> Vice, uh, it, I, I think that might hurt his chances. But I think it's between those two guys. But that, that's what I'm going to say that it has the best chance at getting. I don't see it getting picture. I don't see it getting director. Uh, maybe a shot at screenplay. I thought that, like the, the dialogue, especially in this movie, was fantastic. The way that they were able to write, again, such vile, disgusting things and have it play in such a non-depressing way. And a lot of that, just uh, talking about some of the other supporting characters, like these other KKK members, the one guy in there, is that the... Or we're just going to keep adding to this. Is that not the the dumb guy from I, Tonya from last year? Oh, God. The one who's, like, pointing the gun at guys. Uh, and like, Don't put that gun at Yeah, there was definitely someone there that I did. was like, hey, they look familiar, so, yeah. yeah. The, the dumb clansman. I'll, I'll look it up and uh, <laughs> verify that. 
But yeah, like obviously those characters had a lot to do with it. But I think that the screenplay had a lot to do with just lightening the tone of this movie to the point where it's watchable and entertaining. Um, so I, I'm going to say possibility of screenplay and best shot would be Adam Driver. I've actually found the, when I found the odds the other week, I found the full list of odds here. So if I quickly scroll through the category, so currently this is actually sitting second favorite, apparently, according to this website to win the best picture. Um, it's jumped ahead of Green Book from just looking at this one here. It's below Roma. Uh, best director Spike Lee is in second on this list that I'm seeing at. Uh, for best supporting actor, Adam Driver is currently fourth out of five, according to at least this list. Um, adapted screenplay, though, is apparently the favourite, according to this list that I'm reading. Um, and for the editing, this is second behind Vice, apparently. So, <laughs> there you go. Um... But, yeah, I guess unless there's anything that I'm glaringly missing here, um, I feel as though we're going to give our take and review on this one. Uh, the reviews are obviously very just, positive for this film right now, so, yes. I just want to confirm, um, Paul Walter Hauser ah, yes. uh, plays Ivanhoe, the dumb, seems like he's stoned out of his mind, black Klansman, uh, Klansman. Who also played Sean Eckhart, the dumb, seems stoned out of his mind, best friend in I, Tonya. He's not typecast at all if you look at his filmography. <laughs> Super Troopers 2. Uh, I'm like, jeez. Is he just like typecast? Oh, I'm a dumb racist. Put me in these movies. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, what are you going to do with this film, Mr. Hilding? I, I'm buying it. Uh, like I said, I'm still not 100% sure. Uh, not 100% sure on how I feel about this movie. 100% sure on you know, will my perspective on this movie change? But it, it's not only the first one that I've really enjoyed, like really enjoyed that we've covered, but it's the first one that I feel like could improve even on a certain watch. Uh, so th- even if this thing tanks on a second viewing, I'm so interested in seeing it again that I'm going to easily do it as a buy. Uh, I agree with you. Definitely for me, it's a buy. And I'll say that out of the four that we've done, I've got the second right now. Um, behind Bohemian You're Rhapsody. a disgrace. But ahead of Vice and ahead of Black Panther. So um, <laughs> I'm not that racist just because I've got Black Panther last right now. I've got this second. Uh, <laughs> you know? We'll see how racist I am tomorrow when we do Green Book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, Green Book. Um, I mm-hmm. went into this, again, not knowing a whole lot about it. I think kind of I just I saw a, a poster for it. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's in a car. <laughs> um, there's a green book somewhere in this movie. But I, I maybe out of all the films this year, this is the one where I walked out of it not knowing what to expect and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this film. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. And it was actually one that kind of... Mallory didn't watch with me when I first watched it. And then I sort of watched it and I said to Mallory, that was actually a really good film. So she watched the trailer of it and like, oh, I might watch that. So she watched it the next day and she's like, I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh, I want to watch it again. Oh, that was such a good movie. So, yeah, I enjoy Green Book. Um, I, I, I enjoy it too. Right now I find myself almost more annoyed with the, the criticism this movie's getting because I feel like it's so unfounded. And it doesn't even necessarily have to do with how much I enjoy this movie or wh- whether I dislike certain things about this movie, just that I don't know if there's anything else out there where the criticism is as off-base as it is for this. Um, 
Although I can see some of the minor criticisms I can kind of see, but as far as like the, the political reasons, don't get it at all. So it's I always find it unfortunate that we have so many of these movies. We thought we'll be over it with Black Panther, but week after week we're just talking about politics and you know racial wars, and it's just going to go on from here. Like, is there a movie that we're going to be able to just end this on and be like, yeah, you know, it was great to see Liam Neeson punch a guy in the face. Like, <laughs> that's how I want to end my Oscars. Let's just let's have Oscars too political uh, <laughs> let's maybe change a pace next year because i feel like we're, we're, we're becoming a social commentary podcast right now and not a, a film tv podcast and that's not a good thing when i'm involved we know that um i was, I was about <laughs> to say a star is born but then there was some political stuff around a star is born in new zealand when it was released so yeah no i can even think about stuff around that um but we'll we'll get to that uh that's that's tomorrow green book in the meantime like us on facebook follow us all the regular channels as we uh now officially get through the halfway point of oscar month well oscar i guess week and the lead up to the uh 91st academy awards uh in only a few more days time uh my name is ben and i don't know what to say right now without sounding racist move along Uh, my name is Colin, and all power to all the people. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>